0: Names. I'm the only one in my family without a biblical name. Shit, Siomara isn't even Dominican. I know because I Googled it. It means one who is ready for war. And truth be told, that description is about right because I even tried to come into the world in a fighting stance. Feet first had to be cut out of mommy after she'd given birth to my twin brother, Xavier, just fine. And my name labors out, of some people's mouths in that same awkward and painful way until I have to slowly say, Si Omara. I've learned not to flinch the first day of school as teachers get stuck stupid trying to figure it out. Mommy says she thought it was a saint's name, gave me this gift of battle and now curses how well I live up to it. My parents probably wanted a girl who would sit in the pews wearing pretty florals and a soft smile they got combat boots and a mouth that's silent until it's sharp as an island machete
1: hey all welcome back or welcome to another episode of the drip the podcast yeah. where for academics of color sit around and discuss great books each episode features a free-flowing conversation about one book that leads us to a broader conversation about race culture and politics all the things that keep us gabbing when we're hanging out in coffee shops or in each other's homes or when we are each still in our own homes in our pjs maybe because we are still trying to keep ourselves our loved ones and then people we don't even like safe and healthy and we also want to send out our love, support, and gratitude to everyone who are still out on the streets demanding justice so we can all live and breathe more freely. Shout out to Portland and Chicago. I'm Anita Chikatur, the host for the show, and I teach in the Department of Educational Studies at Carlton College. Todd?
2: I'm Todd Lawrence. I teach African-American literature and culture at the University of St. Thomas.
3: Thank you. Crystal? I'm Crystal Mota, and I am a public historian who lives in Washington, DC.
1: Ooh. Adriana?
3: I am Adriana Estel,
4: and I am professor of English and American Studies at Carleton College. And I also want to take one little second, because I realized this morning, I was like, you know what, Anita always comes to these pods prepared. She always comes with these intros, with this research, and she gets us all going, and we never say thank you. So I want to take A little
1: second for some thank you. Well, I feel like we all do different things. So, you know, it's a team effort, people. It's a team effort. Well,
2: yours is the most (laughs) difficult thing to do, which is to keep us all in line and to provide all the context. So, thank you very much.
1: Y'all are welcome. Um, So, speaking of context, we're going to actually talk about the book we're going to, you know, yeah, we were just chatting about how in the first episode we did, Crystal had to be like, hold on, people, we need to tell them what book we're talking about. So, we've all gotten so much better. So, you know, yay for growth, Um, which will be a theme of this book. So... In this episode, we're gonna discuss The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Acevedo is an Afro-Dominican author and her books include The Poet X with Fire on High and Clap When You Land, which just came out pretty recently. The Poet X is her debut novel and it won the 2018 National Book Award for Young People's Literature. She's also the recipient of the Prince Award for Excellence in Young Adult Fiction, the Caleb uh, Carnegie uh, Medal and the Boston Globe Horn Book Award. And additionally, she was honored with the 2019, um, if I say this wrong, Adriana, correct me, Pura Belpre,
0: author Uh award
1: for celebrating, affirming. Okay, thank you. For celebrating, affirming, and portraying Latinx culture and experience. So before we dig in, spoiler alert that, you know, we're gonna discuss our books. So we will talk about everything. As you all should know, we do call ourselves the All Spoilers Collective. So consider this your perpetual, universal, all-encompassing spoiler alert. In other words, we are all about spoilers and not about summaries. <laughs> So this was actually a book that I recommended, which everybody was surprised by, because here I am recommending a book of poetry. And those of you who are maybe loyal listeners of the show know how I sometimes feel about poetry, although thanks to my podcast mates, I have definitely grown in my appreciation for poetry. But I think what I loved about the book when I read it was just how compelling a character's Yamara is, right, and like, you know, whose poet acts and without her needing to be extraordinary and i was saying this just because we just read these last two books where people had like superpowers right uh, but she's like a really compelling teenager especially right and she's like a teenager in like the best way and think about you know all the things that i love about teaching and working with young people right like she has hope she has drama she has rebellion she's sweet right and she's kind and she's, you know a bit of a pain in the ass especially baby If we ask her mother about her. Uh, So I guess I was curious about, you know, just like what you thought about her as a character and what maybe you appreciated about her.
2: She's awesome. I mean, she's awesome. (laughs) I think, uh, I don't really, yeah. I mean, I just had like a really positive response to her as a character and it was really easy to identify. I mean, I'm a man reading, you know, a, a, Mm -hmm. a, a cis hetero man reading this and, I really like felt like I under you know I really connected with what she was going through you know and as, maybe especially the you know the the conflict between her and her mother which again like I I, I had conflict with my mother but not in not in that same way you know but um but there was some way that the poetry I think because it is so um so much it it, it mines the personal feelings and experiences of the mm-hmm. character and puts it out there and really um, directly for the reader that helps you to connect to her, I think. So I think it would be much different if this were a prose, if this were not a novel. The author would, she would have to work a lot more to convey that to the reader, you know, so
0: mm-hmm. oh, but, interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, yeah.
4: Yeah, if I can jump in, I, I totally agree that there's something about the poems and we learn later, right, that the poems are part of this journal that her twin gave her, right? So that the, these are um, the very most intimate and vulnerable expressions that she has about her life as she's figuring out what it means to be a young woman. Um, and so like the very first poem um, you know has this kind of drama between being outside right and like freedom before school starts, but that freedom comes with this cost of men looking at women and girls. And the kind of disciplinary forces that are outside. You need to start uh, start wearing dresses like that shit you'd be wifed up before going back to school especially knowing you church girls are all freaks. And it's really amazing like when you've read the whole book and you go back to this very first poem that already in those three taunts, we get like the compact story of the whole um, um, novel for her, right? Like how does she grow to be a woman without, Oh, how do I put this like with with the weight of the church and society telling her who to be at the same time that, you know, she has desires um, and um, dreams uh, that also need to be heard. And in the very next poem, we get some of that, too. Um, When your body takes up more room than your voice, you are always the target of well aimed rumors. And so for me, like one of the biggest things I love about this, about this book is how Xiomara really navigates. Like, what does it mean to have a body? What does it mean to have a voice? Can I have both of these, right? Am I allowed to have and want
3: both of these? Yeah. And that's, that um, connects to what I found uh, most resonant with, um, with Siomata is that, you know, it's the quintessential, maybe obvious story of coming to terms with your own voice, what you have and want to say, and how you're going to say it, and with her you know she it, it's it's through her poetry, you know, but it could be through a variety of number of means you know for a variety of different people right, and so we see her journey um into kind of realizing and recognizing that it's going to be language and through you know the articulation of words that she can you know use her voice um and I think that is um a process that, you know, many people resonate with in terms of growing up, going into yourself and still being on that journey of how you're going to use your words to say what you want to say about yourself, about where you come from, et cetera.
4: Can can I really quickly just say, like, Crystal, um, you know, Anita asked us, like, you know, how does this kind of adolescent character, what do we think of her? Um, and I, I totally had the same experience as you the first time I read this where I was like, I mean, yes, this is a very adolescent journey, journey and it's a coming of age story in that way. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I, I still feel like there are, mo- there are moments here where I was like, oh, I need to start writing a poem myself now. Mm-hmm. Because there was something about the struggle that is um, so visceral and so um, inviting to, and I think that all of us can see ourselves in that struggle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can,
2: I can definitely like, I think the thing that most um, affects me about this book and, and about the story is that tension between, and this goes, you know, back to what you were saying, Crystal, is very, very much related, the tension between what you can say and what you can't say. I'm mm-hmm. struggling with that through the whole book, right? And mm-hmm. and I, my favorite poems are the ones where they're the um, drafts of the assignments, yeah. right? Yes, yes! It's like, this is what she really thinks. And yeah, then you I... get like this assignment where everything is just sort of muted or she mm-hmm. completely says something different. And yeah. it gets to that, um, that reality wow. of how we feel like we have to temper our expression of our emotion of, of our response to things in life um, because other people, we don't know how other people are going to respond to them, or how they're going to judge us. And especially when it comes to relationships with people, you know, your parents or other people who have power over you like
1: teachers, and how, you have, yeah.
2: yeah, teachers, you have to be careful. And so this book is so much about what kind of power there is when somebody says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just yeah. going to say right. what I want to yeah. say.
1: Yeah. But I think and what I, I loved about that, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. I was just going to say, to me, I really thought of Their Eyes Were Watching God. I, I thought of, um, I thought of mm-hmm. Janie in that, in that book, and I thought of the way that, you know, that character comes to voice and says, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing that actually kills someone, right? <laughs> like, like, that's how powerful your own voice can be. And I think you see it reflected in this book, too. Sorry, go ahead.
1: But I think what I loved about actually the teacher character is that she even takes those like maybe like half truths or something there and like helps her Uh build on that. Right. So it's not like it's a lie. Right. Like the stories that she tells in those drafts are are like part of who she is, but it's maybe not like the closest truth. But I think Uh what I loved about the teacher is like she still responds to that and she still sort of helps Mm Yarmara kind of like get to that greater truth or get to that sort of I mean, maybe not even greater truth, but just like different kinds of truths. And I think I just like shout out to teachers man, who like actually do that and sort of like really do what teachers are supposed to do. Right. Sort of like support kids to like be more of who they are and like explore more of who they are.
3: And who are interested in that, I think, because I think that's the thing about um, the teacher character and I'm misremembering her name right now. Ms. Thank you. Um, she, she was persistent in doing in yeah. Xiomara and kind of kept extending the invitation over yeah. and over and over and just kept facing that rejection. But she was like, well, I'm going to keep
4: trying. I'm going to keep trying. I
2: would have <laughs> gave up by then. I would have <laughs> <up. laughs>
4: um, That time when she uh, shows the video to the class that Ciomara is in because she's like trying to woo her. Um, page seventy six, seventy seven. Like I just dare anyone to read this poem and not feel the power that the word has for Xiomara.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: I'm just gonna read through it if that's okay. When class starts, Ms. Galliano projects a video, a woman on stage, her voice quiet, then louder and faster like an express train picking up speed. The poet talks about being black, about being a woman, about how beauty standards make it seem she isn't pretty. I don't breathe for the entire three minutes while I watch her hands and face, feeling like she's talking directly to me. She's saying the thoughts I didn't know anyone else had. We're different, this poet and I, in looks, in body and background. But I don't feel so different when I listen to her. I feel heard. When the video finishes, my classmates, who are rarely excited by anything, clap softly, and although the poet isn't in the room, It feels right to acknowledge her this way, even if it's only polite applause. My own hands move against each other. Ms. Galliano asks about the themes and presentation style, but instead of raising my hand, I press it against my heart and will the chills on my arms to smooth out. It was just a poem, Siomara, I think, but it felt more like a gift.
0: Mm And
4: I love the paradoxes. These poems are so, you know, quote, simple. Like when I had my students read this book, they found it so easy to navigate the language of these poems Mm -hmm. and see the story. But at the same time, the structures are actually really like intensely um, built and architectured, right? So we have this kind of listening versus hearing. We have the gift Mm -hmm. versus poem, you know, words, Mm -hmm. Um, the... Siomara is like, she's listening to this poem as if it were the word of God. And we see that as
3: a kind of repeated sort of um, uh, motif throughout the novel. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, if we go just a few pages further along to page 79 to the poem that's called holding a poem in my body, Mm -hmm. right. She's in the, in her room. Um, you know, thinking about and saying these poems and saying, memorizing one of her poems, and she says, the last stanza, and then mommy knocks on the door and asks me when I'm in here reciting that it better not be more rap lyrics, and I respond verses, I'm memorizing verses, I know she thinks I mean Bible ones, right? Yes. <laughs> nice memorizing her own, um, her own poems. Well,
2: it, it, what you guys are talking about makes me think too of like, you know, how important it is that um, Siomara is a, she's a slam poet. Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, um, sometimes people talk about performance poets and page poets, but this is like a slam poet who's writing, a, like we're reading the book of her, yeah. of her poems. And, and I think to go back to what Adriana was saying about how these poems are, they seem simple in structure. They seem sometimes very straightforward. Um, they're not the kind of poems that you put in front of your students and they're like, I don't, you know, I don't get it. How do you figure it out? You know, that it feels like, like it's a, a puzzle box. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that feels like a puzzle box or something. But I think, you know, what I wanted to say was that um in what I've noticed in slam poetry uh, a lot of the time is that they're very much about a personal experience. They're very much about being, honest about personal um, emotions and everything like we have we have an annual slam at St. Thomas and it's like every year it's like okay this is when I'm gonna find out like what's going on how everyone feels what are the things that are happening on campus and like it's almost like a kind of like a therapy session or something (laughs) and everybody just comes and just spills their guts right and it's just totally honest totally raw totally you know can be really profane can be really confrontational, all those sorts of things. And that's considered to be good, sort of like Mm -hmm. performance poetry, right? And uh, that's what, you know, we get here, but we also get, it's also, they're also really great poems. And I don't mean to suggest that, you know, slam poets aren't good written poets, because they are, but I think people sometimes have that perception. um, Can I? Yeah, please. Like
4: just, um, so, because when when I was talking about the poems I was talking about them as kind of architectured and I think that actually goes with what you're saying right that mm-hmm. that um people think of slam poetry as simple because they are linked to the intimate, to the personal, to the story. And yet those stories um, are generally super architectured in slam poetry, right? Mm-hmm. There's a way in which, um, you know, a really traditional structure in slam poetry is you start with this kind of image that un- unfurls your story. And mm-hmm. then by the end, right, you, you bring that image back in a new way, right? Mm-hmm. So you're asking, and like part of the kind of the, the challenge and the skill of slime poetry is actually being able to do that over like two to three minute poem, right? Mm -hmm. Where you've kind of like let your audience forget like the beginning, like in the kind of core, whatever it is. And then you're like, boom, did you forget? I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, I I really find like these, of course, aren't very long poems, most of them, but they are poems that like have this kind of intimacy to them and this architecture of these kind of metaphors that like persist, not just in one poem, but across the poems. And
2: they they have to do so much. I mean, I think that that's maybe what's so impressive. I mean, I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about, you know, these are poems that she's writing in her um, journal every night. And um, we are experiencing them that way, right? Like we're experiencing as this is a found thing, like almost mm-hmm. like we just picked mm-hmm. up a journal and started to read it. But we know that that's not the way that this got constructed, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> Acevedo didn't just sit down every night and write read a her poem. journal, <laughs>
0: yeah. right?
2: And, oh, I wrote a book, I guess. You know, like it wasn't like that, right? So she, but th- so each one of these poems um you know has it fits in an order but it has to do a certain job it has to tell a part of this story that it mm-hmm. is a story that is like you know that fits together that works over 200 plus pages how many pages it is um and keeps you it's got to link i mean there can't be much space between each one of these poems right I and mean, in terms of the actual story right one poem has to pick up where the other one left off but do it in this interesting way so that it's not and in it, a and it, like one poem might pick up on a word from the previous poem or you know like a theme or and just you know so they're not just sort of back to back poems and yet they are which i think Mm -hmm. is like really fascinating to me um and to create a pleasurable experience of moving poem by poem through someone's life i think is would be really really difficult you know and we were talking about this before we started right like this is called a poem or a a novel in verse. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about um, Thomas and Beulah, the famous uh, 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 poetry collection. um,
4: By Rita Dove. By Rita Dove,
2: which is, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) But by by Rita Dove, which is uh, what we would call a a narrative poetry collection, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a collection of poems that tells a story of the relationship of a husband and wife over Mm -hmm. the years of their marriage. Um, but it, it's not like this, like there's lots of gaps in between, like sometimes a poem is about their young relationship. And then the next poem is about their older relationship. One poem is by, it's from the voice of the husband. One poem is by the voice of the wife or whatever. So there are these ways that you have to figure out how the poems all fit together, Mm -hmm. but this one is in sequence. And yet it also is not in sequence because each poem is different. They're different um poetic forms in the book
0: right
2: mm-hmm. I mean there's all kinds of stuff but yet it fits together you know which is kind of amazing yeah
4: and what's also like sorry um okay. I, I was just gonna say really quickly like the what I remembered as you were talking Todd and you were like but of course like this isn't just something that you know like it, we can't imagine that this is just Acevedo's like journal from when she was a teenager it's not a thinly veiled Acevedo of course mm-hmm. um it's also like impossibly uh Siomara, because Siomara's poetry journal gets burned.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So in
4: fact, mm-hmm. like one one thing we are holding when we kind of like figure out we're reading the journal is we're reading the impossible. Right. The mm-hmm. poems that actually are lost to the world.
2: You're answering my question. That was my question I was going to ask <laughs>
1: when, when
2: I never before. I was like, I got a question. <laughs> oh. It's a question like what how do we get these other poems when the when the journal got burnt? So you're at Can you talk more about that? The impossible. I, mean, I don't
4: know if I have like a scientific answer. Well, okay, um, I mean, like,
2: <laughs> conceptual, like whatever. Because I, I, I kept waiting. Of- I kept waiting for the for the yeah. moment where she okay. says like, and this is how.
4: No, no, I uh, hear it here. I'm going to yeah. give you an answer. It's poetry. Okay. Like Crystal it's an has
1: something to say. I okay. have a thought, but I'll say. Okay.
4: Okay. Sure. okay, so okay. D first, then you, and we'll see if maybe we're saying the same thing. If we okay. could say it at the same time, that would be cool. But Zoom won't let us. <laughs> I, I think we are the journal. I think we're being written on. Ooh.
3: Oh, go
1: okay. Yeah. I like it. So, like, What's
3: your oh, yeah, sorry, God. Oh no, I don't need to say any more about that. No, I'll, no, no. Okay. Go, Crystal. I'll, the thought that just came to me is this idea of the poems are in her body, like the poem is her body. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so then the 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 journal is the body. You know, mm-hmm. so i with how, you. That's how we can read the poems because mm-hmm. they're in her. They're in her. They're on her. They're written in our heart, you know? yes. nice.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: So both, <laughs> you said both. They're written both on her and,
1: and on, us. on us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. I, I like mm-hmm. that. That's okay. really yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Crystal, that was like a mind meld moment. I'm so excited right now. And we got your genre
1: question, which was kind of there like your go, question. All right. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I guess um, speaking of body, like I think one of the, and it, I love the fact that Todd, when you were like, you know, it's kind of like a slam poetry book. That's like a written book of poetry, but I felt like which gets at like Adriana's point is like the whole book is kind of a, about her figuring out her body and her words, right? So it's kind of this like meta metaphor, meta metaphor, just a metaphor. Huh? <laughs> so meta no,
2: like metaphor works
1: yeah. <laughs> For like the whole experience of her, right? Because it's kind of like, how do we translate like body into words and words into body? And like, that's like always a complex sort of um, thing for anybody, but I think especially as an adolescent, as your like body's changing to kind of like figure out, right? How are you gonna kind of like talk about these things and talk about it? And I think a lot of us like are not given the words, right? Are not given language and are not given language maybe probably because of like religion, which kind of gets us to not think yes. about our bodies, right? And not right. think about our desires, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's like this lovely sort of like discovery of like both like her body and her words and like how do those two things come together and how can she right. like use them? Um, But I did want to kind of, I think, one of the things that I really appreciated about, I think one of the very first things that Adriana said, right, about sort of her being a young woman. And I think the poem that I was thinking about was the one on page 53, um, that's called After, right, and like she starts off with this like, and ends with, with this litany of like, where like people come in her body and like harass her, right So it's like it happens when I'm at the bodegas, it happens when I'm at school, it happens when I'm on the train. it happens when I'm standing on the platform. It happens when I'm sitting on the stoop. It happens when I'm turning around the corner. It happens when I forget to be on guard. It happens all the time. And I just thought it was like a really compelling sort of story, right? It's like she doesn't even have to be doing anything, right? And like she ends with sort of saying, it happens when I wear shorts, it happens when I wear jeans. It happens when I stare at the ground, it happens when I stare ahead. It happens when I'm walking, it happens when I'm sitting. It happens when I'm on my phone, it simply never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was like this like a true like sort of experience of like what it's like, and maybe especially in like cities right where there's just more dense populations. So it's sort of like, you know, I remember being a kid and like um, like one of the most harrowing experiences I had was like when I was walking, I think to the dentist from my house and this guy was on the phone and he like yelled, like yelled out to like stop and talk to him, and I didn't, and I kept walking, and he said if you don't stop, I'm gonna come take a bite out of you. And I was just like,
3: what? You know, it was
1: just like the shocking, and nothing happened, like I was fine. And you know, I got the dentist, he didn't follow me or anything, but I was just like thinking about just these like experiences that Mm -hmm. most young women have, most women have, right? And um, oddly enough, I was also thinking about all these like people on Twitter talking about how even when they're like wearing masks, (laughs) like right? They're getting like harassed and kind of being like, I hope you're smiling under that mask. And I'm just like, oh my God, oh my <laughs> right? Like, God, what is that stops. like, you know? But like, I think for in the novel, it's like, it's just this like, who, Um, it's not just the people like harassing her on the street, but like all these people think that they have the right to tell her like what to do or like comment on her body, right, including like, right, the church and her mom and like sort of, all these other people. So I just thought it was also just like, interesting to think about like all the ways in which a young woman's body is like policed and surveilled. Yeah.
4: Can we look at that poem for how the form of the poem reinforces exactly yeah. what you're saying, yeah. um, right? Because one thing that like, I, I think is just so fabulous about this poem is that the It Happens stanzas are at the, at the top, right? And then at the bottom. So they're mm-hmm. like they're like society kind of surrounding her Um, The two stanzas in the middle, which are the ones in which she's there kind of edging against and trying to push Mm. against society and trying to write and make things like notice the shape of them that the Mm. like centered in the middle. So we get the sense of embodiment and curves Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of like growth that is trying Mm -hmm. to happen. Um, the it happens. Stanzas are also really interesting to me because they don't have a subject, right? They're just, um, if you'll forgive me, the little note. They're unmanned, and yet, of course, they're supremely grounded in patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, um, you know, she's negotiating this kind of like really scary, like ghost-like uh, mm-hmm. patriarchy, right? Where she can't actually point to a person and say, "Screw right. you, stop that," because it's just it's all like
1: everywhere because it's the structure yeah yeah um actually speaking of structure poems can the other one i was thinking about was 198 i would love the two literature people and crystal like why is it that way (laughs) so this is (laughs) ants so this is like one um i guess her mom sees her and amon on the train kissing yes
3: um and then like yeah yeah that's for the literature people
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, teach us Go ahead. I'll, I'll
4: give one thought and then t- Todd, pick up my, my crumbs, my, you know, like, because, but I it's think that's an appropriate. I like don't Like <laughs>
0: um
4: so, so I think there are two things happening. Um, and the first is that, um, you know, the, the poetry form is a form of coherence, right? So we have a lot of other poems in the book where she's playing with forms and she's trying to figure out which makes herself more coherent. Um, so that when we have these lines and these single words on each line, what we get is a sense that she's dispersed, right? That like her coherence has been lost in many ways. Hmm. Um, and I, the, of course the poem itself is about being made to kneel on rice, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, uh, so she's also like taking this physical pain and kind of thinking about ants, and so she's kind of like pushing her imagination into that, right? Like with these ants as, as opposed to her. So it's both her own kind of lack of coherence in this moment, but the only coherence she has is thinking about like these creatures and they're small and they're singular. But
2: they're also like, they're really powerful and strong, right? Mm-hmm. So she's, I mean, in a moment when she feels most sort of disintegrated and mm. dispersed, as you said, to think about, the possibility of reconstituting herself. Mm -hmm. This is one sort of image that can point to that. Right. And so, I mean, I think, yeah, you're, you're, what you said, I totally agree with. I mean, I think there's a way typographically that, I mean, when you, when you look at a, a poem on paper, you know, these two poems that we've been talking about sort of are great examples, how they can, um, impact the way that you feel as well as the words right so just seeing all these the words imitate ants they're like ants crawling across the page and um that just sort of adds another dimension right
4: yeah and then the only sentences that we get that are coherent still right both um, our quotes. As, right exactly our yeah. quotes are from the mom don't right. make me get more rice mira la santa maria in the eye Mm-hmm. Um, so the commands and then the very next poem to get at what Todd's saying the very next poem is her kind of like now starting to form this tower she's still kind of dispersed in single words but she's gathering mm-hmm. them to the side I, right? am no yeah. I am no aunt I am no ant. yeah
1: hmm. cool okay think about that. Um, and I guess sort of a similar question not so much about form but about language right because it's there are like moments in which it's bilingual. And obviously in this poem, uh, there's that too, right? Because the mom says, um, last chance, Yomara, Santa Maria, Yena, eres de gracias?
4: De gracia. Um, de gracias. Oh, it
1: just gracias. Well oh, it does say gracias, but yeah. I can read Spanish, thank you. No, I'm just
4: kidding. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, it's that's, that's not how the prayer go, but like
1: whatever. <laughs> She's kneeling on rice. It's hard to hear, you know? <laughs> Uh, but I think there's like a couple, like a lot of the times when it's bilingual, like her mom says something in Spanish, but then she like responds in her head in English mm-hmm. and you kind of understand the Spanish from that. Like she doesn't necessarily like directly translate it. But the one poem that she does is the one 233, which is the a poem, mommy will never read. So she does it both in uh, Spanish and then she translate, translates mm-hmm. it. Um, so it's kind of curious about why we think she does that.
2: So why does she do that with this poem? And yeah, I was just curious, poem. right, because it's like
1: a whole poem in mm-hmm. Spanish, but then she she gives us, which I assume like us, the readers, um, right? Like the chance to read it in English.
3: I was actually hoping that the poem would not be translated. Um, yeah. Just for kind of what that would make the reader have to do in order to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, understand what was going on. Um, and, you know, I was trying to like, with my best recall, remember, you know, the Spanish. that. I had to learn. Um, and I wasn't close to what this actually meant. And actually and then when I read the translation, I was like, Well, oh, I'm glad it was translated, but part of mm-hmm. me was like, Oh, well, I wish you would I wish um the author would have just made us have to go figure out what it means. Like I guess so. I
4: would say though, um I mean, this is a like, you know, to go back to that, that point of like, what is this book? If this book is Siomara's body and it's like being kind of worked through and produced right into the world, Siomara's is a bilingual body. Mm. And the reason that the book is bilingual isn't because she's trying to communicate with her
1: parents.
4: It's because she lives bilingually.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is
1: interesting, though, right? Because I feel like a lot of the research, newer research on bilingual, um, like learning shows that actually the way it works is the way it's like in her other poems, right? It's not like you think in English and you think in Spanish, right? A lot of the ways it's like trans, uh, I think it's called like translanguaging, right? So there's yeah. sort of ways in which like the way she does it in the rest of her poems is actually how it works in her heads a lot of the time, Right, so we are bilinguals. I thought it was like an interesting choice yeah. she makes to like do it this way. No, the,
4: the question here, like I mean you're right to point to this and be like so why is this whole poem in Spanish and then in English? Because yeah. that isn't ciomara. It's very clear like I would say this is a, a really an effortful moment for her, right? Mm. Um, it's it's like the metaphors in this poem are not the metaphors that we get in the rest of the book either, right? Mm-hmm. To talk about the staples or the white flat. Yeah. I right. mean, the Bible verse kind of carries over, but um, right. but so like there's something here that is about trying to like say something to her mom that she thinks her mom can only hear in Spanish,
0: mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. knowing
4: that like she has to figure out how to say it in English. That's what's what interesting. Hmm.
2: Is she also, I mean, there's part, I think there's, this poem is a lot about what she is refusing to say, right? Like, I, I think this is another element of what I love about this character mm-hmm. is that she's, I mean, there are certainly moments like uh, the whole um, conflict about taking communion, right? Where she's basically saying, <gasps> I'm not going to take about- com- right? Yeah, and go ahead, say what you're going to say.
4: No, it's just I just realized, I mean, because of course, communion is uh, like the significant moment, like when you're going to mass, but I hadn't thought about that part of its significance in the book is about that you're taking it in through your mouth, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. about other people's words, other people's. Um, and what
2: does she do? Like, she even when her <laughs> mom makes her <laughs> take communion she, she goes it out and, and it, to it to the out.
0: yeah
3: right.
2: yeah and so i mean i think this this poem is yeah. as much about um mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to say something as also not i'm not going to say that
0: yeah
3: i'm
2: not going to give okay. you you want this from me but You're i not, my mouth you. cannot write you a white flag i'm not going to apologize and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i didn't do anything wrong right and yeah. so i've so much admired this character because when she's under extreme yeah. pressure extreme pressure from all quarters to yeah. give in to just like her life would be so much easier she just gave in and did what her mom wanted her to do yeah. did what society wanted her to do conformed right. to all the expectations and she won't do it she knows that that's wrong she knows it's not yeah. her it's not right for her as a person and that's not the direction she wants. so uh, this poem is about we need to know that right and yeah. whether you know so to speak it it to in Spanish and then to speak it in English, make sure everyone
1: there's yeah. no way yeah. anyone
2: <laughs> will not know
1: <laughs> that I am not
2: going to do this, right?
1: right. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like
4: this bigger theme, which is um no matter how much you try to kind of like speak everything that you want to be able to speak you actually can't, right? There are always like these layers that might have to be more hidden. And that okay. works for her mother as well as for her, right? So, you know, on 341, you know, like there's like the mother and her are finally kind of making up and my mother does not say she is sorry that she loves me. And I hope one day for the words, but for now her strong pat on my back her hand through my hair, this small moment of soft is enough. Right. So that there's like, how does, how do we know things? How do we learn things from our parents, from our partners, from our, you know, siblings? Um,
3: and
2: isn't it so true that in all of, in all those situations that you just named, that there are so many ways in which it's not words, it's something else. It's a, it's an action. It's a touch, you know, it's some other way of, of communicating besides speaking. Yeah. And we don't either, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to say it. We don't think to say it, you know, whatever we are withholding it from the other person or whatever. Um, Maybe we don't need
1: to say it, right? Because we also right. are our bodies, right? right. Like there's like ways in which we can communicate.
4: Right,
2: yeah. right. Oh
1: my yeah. God, this moment.
4: <laughs> <laughs> also, can I just say, this is the, I want to talk about Amon. I want to talk talk yeah. about yeah. Amon more. And the first thing I want to do is, did y'all look up his name? Because I hadn't the other times I've read his book, but I did this time
1: um no but I just to finish up the bilingual thing can i just ask about oh, another yeah, poem cool. um so i think the other one that i found interesting was at uh, 306 right this is when they're having basically she comes back um mm-hmm. and like the it's being burnt right like the yes. notebook is being burned so it's like this back and forth between i don't know if CMR is like actually saying this um out loud obviously her mom is i think right I, I so it's kind it's of this like back and forth
4: yeah, and that's um. Uh, yeah, the, that's
2: her, and then it's her mom, right?
4: And it's a prayer. It's the. Um, uh, it's the, the. Mary, Mother, full of grace. The, the hail Mary. The, yes. yes.
2: The hail Mary. The yeah. rosary.
4: The, she's saying. Well, hail. it's not necessarily a rosary. It's just the
3: one prayer.
2: But isn't yeah. is she saying? I mean, yeah.
3: I imagine from the so from the poem right before it, I imagine that because it says, "As she recites scripture, words tumble out of my mouth." Mm. Oh, so she is saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm getting louder and louder, all out of order until I'm yelling at the top of my lungs. So I thought she was screaming in this poem. Oh yeah, you're right, I you're right. So.
1: Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. And
3: here it does say,
1: it yeah, gracias, uh, gracia, not gracias. Like, see, <laughs> so
4: she's screaming and her mother's like reciting back. Yeah,
1: right. okay, okay. But uh, she doesn't translate, so which I also loved, right? So it was this moment of like, actually them being most comfortable in their, like when they're fighting, I guess, right? Like in their own, that's like the thing. So I thought that was like the other, like interesting like bilingual play but yes let's move on to Aman because I think the other thing that I totally loved about this book was just like the descriptions of like sexual desire and consent but you wanted to talk about Aman's name so let's start there. (laughs) Wow
4: because I love Aman. Aman is like a sweetheart and he might smell a little bit like pot but he clearly is. like a boy with a soul. And he just like, he listens to her and loves her poetry and I love him. for it. <laughs> and so like, I, I was like, okay, so Amon, does it mean anything? And I looked it up, uh, you know, like right before the podcast basically. And it basically means like um, trust um, and something else. Wait, I'm like uh, trust, safety, protection, tranquility. Wow.
1: Oh. wow. What it- yeah.
4: That's like perfect. Yes. Um,
2: he, he is I mean he's like um, uh, You know so I think about The characterization of The mother and there are times that I'm like whoa man Wow she's like extreme um, and, But then this, this characterization Of this boyfriend Is like really He's such a great character you know So I almost sort of expected there to be And there's that moment like when she goes to His apartment His, his apartment yeah. And his father's not there because he works the night yeah. shift, and and they are you know messing around, and she yep. says no, I want to stop now, and she just sort of like okay, this is it, this is when yeah. the you know sort of violent or you know like I get yelled at or I get kicked out, and he doesn't you know, and um, you know I love having that represented in the novel that you know um, that that doesn't have to happen, and that, yeah. that this this character who is supportive and loving and not like, he's not like a total goody two shoes, like you said, you know, like he, he's, a, he's a teenage boy, right. but he's <laughs> decent, he's decent. He doesn't conform to the way that boys think they have to behave and that boys are, are basically taught to behave in order to like conform to these notions of masculinity in our society, which are fucking horrible.
1: Let me tell you yeah, no, that was, de- oh, sorry, I was gonna say that was just definitely one of the poems but also like before that when they are like making out, right, I thought that was like a really beautiful poem too, that's the two to- 323, sorry, mm-hmm. in Aman's arms, right, like all the sort of, um... because they also had a fight, right, like there was sort of a, you know, some tension and he wasn't, you know, he did like kind of ignore her and there was sort of that moment when something did happen, so I also loved that they yeah. just like kind of figure out how to like get beyond that but also so like, I thought that was like a really beautiful moment. Where she's like talking about all these like things that are working for her. And then she decides like not to, right? Like not to do something. And then that yeah. was like, poem you were talking about, right? About um, this, where is that? The 328th next move. And he's like, I wait for him for like all these things to happen. And it doesn't, I'm like, oh, yay, I'm on, yeah. <laughs> right? But yeah. it's also shouldn't be like, yay, I'm on, right? It's also should, should just should be like-, like that's just should, what people should do, right? right. <laughs> like, just know? be
2: kind to other people and like treat them with dignity and respect and all that kind of like, that crazy. They say no.
0: That's
2: crazy. Go ahead, Adrienne. And then I'll say mine.
4: Yeah. I was just going to say that the moment I feel like, um, we start to see him the way she learns how to see him is, um, uh, 113 and one fourteen. Um, You know, because there's been this sexual tension and it's really sweet right and all right like the holding hands in lab class and all that cute stuff. Um, But on 113 114 we get that discussion where, you know, Mm -hmm. she has been telling him about her father and about the, you know, like this kind of, uh, you know, in another poem she talks about him as present, but also really absent and um, he mentions that his mom isn't there and she asks, so why is she gone? And the poem on 113 ends with, I don't expect him to ever answer. And then the poem on the next uh, page is titled, and then he does. Mm-hmm. And so like, he yeah. he defies these expectations for masculinity, exactly like what Todd's saying, like, instead of being someone who's just going to ignore the vulnerable and the personal, he's, <laughs> he's willing to tell his stories and like, uh, we get his voice, right? We get his actual voice, not just him through her. I was mm-hmm. young enough to learn how my accent could be rolled tight between my lips until this country smoked it out into mm-hmm. that clipped, good-accented English. What an amazing line.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say, too. But oh, sorry.
4: I'm just,
2: <laughs> <laughs> just going to just piggyback off of what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I just,
4: yeah.
2: I think that Amon is an important part of the character in this book because he um, he represents the ways that many um, men and boys are in private but not in public Mm. and um, he he i think there's like there's a kind of tension there you know like he does there's that one time when he doesn't stand up for her when he's seen that she's been you know touched by this other boy and uh um so You know, like, that's the, that's, there's a tension there, right? But for the most part, he, um, he is who he is in private and in public. And I think he's a great model for how boys should be, right? Like how everyone should be, right? And it's, I think it's kind of a sad thing that I'm making so much a big deal about this, but it is like, this is, this is not the way that boys, like no boy I don't know. I hope they're different now than they were when I was a boy. But my memory is that, you know, like in the in the locker room, you didn't sit, talk about how tender you were with your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That wasn't expected of you. You know, that wasn't we all thought that we were supposed to be different. Like that's what it meant to be a man was to say something else. And this shows you that, you know, you can you can you can be this way and be a good person and be kind and like that's what you should do. Right. And it should be the same that you are in private as you are in public. Yeah, anyway, okay. I just want to say that.
1: Well, yeah. And I feel like maybe um, we could talk about twin because obviously he has to like figure out his masculinity, uh, you know, right, against this right. backdrop mm-hmm. of like right. toxic masculinity and sort of yes. like, you know, the fact that in some ways, even um, like, I thought it was interesting that he doesn't tell you like, you know, um, about like his relationship with this, you know, boy that he likes at school. So it's kind of curious about, um, yeah, just like the character of the twin. And of course, that he's like called twin <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the whole book, which uh, I loved also because my mom um, is also a twin with like a brother. And so it's like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like, I don't think she calls him twin as far as I know. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just curious about what we thought about twin and like his presence in the book, but also like what it means for him also to be kind of this other representation of masculinity along obviously mm-hmm. with, the, with the dad.
4: I mean, the whole, the whole book starts off with Siomara flipping the gender roles, right? There's an early poem that I'm not mm. going to point to right away where she talks about how she was the strong and, and kind of bombastic one, right? And twin is the quiet one. And this is even though he was born 15 minutes earlier. Right. Um, and so there's like this thread through the novel where like she is Learning, you know, that she can't take care of him in the same way anymore, right? Because he goes to a different school. And like uh, she finds out, right, that he's gay when in this moment when she's gone to his school because he's come home with a black eye and she's like, no, I'm going to protect him. Mm -hmm. He's still my responsibility. And then sees him with Cody. Um, And I think there's two layers. It's not just that he's with a guy, it's that this guy is white, Mm -hmm. very white. Right. right? Right. and, like, she makes peace with it pretty quickly from my memory, right? Like, yeah. um, but, she, it, like, for her, like, it, I mean, this is the moment where the twins who kind of, like, had this sort of, like, really close relationship, even though it wasn't the relationship she always wanted it to be, like, they're growing apart in some, you know, like, typical adolescent ways. And it mm-hmm. just is so material right then for her.
2: But they come back to- towards each other in the end, right? I mean, that's they part do. of the 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 sort of healing and and the, um, the sort of reconciliation of everything is them helping each other through. And we know, I think we know too, that though the relationship between Siamara and her mother is on a different path now, that there's another another sort of hurricane down the road, which will be twin. When, when twin comes out, right? Yeah. Um, and so both of them, in their own ways, are testing, having to test and push against the expectations of their, that their parents have of them. Um, and I think, yeah, so they're having to experience that together and to help each other through it. So I think like book two, if there was, would probably <laughs> be about him, right, And and how she helps him through that, right?
4: And that's also just like a super big personality difference that they have, right. Um, You know, like earlier in the I mean, he gave her the journal, Mm -hmm. he smoothed out the poetry club flyer and put it on her bed when she was gonna throw it away. Like her twin is kind of like the kind of supporter that's just like in the background going, you can do this, you can do this because he can't right? for whatever reason, like he's not quite going to be the one who opens up and opens his mouth in the same way, which is fascinating because, you know, she talks about herself as quiet in the beginning of the novel. And then, right. And then like, she just like, Oh, Anita's given a face, but she does. She's like, yeah, Oh, yeah, like yeah. I'm all body and no voice. right, and, and because we like basically come to know her through her journal, through her poetry, that's, true. that's true. right. Like we don't see her as such, but this is a journey for her to become publicly, Mm -hmm. publicly loud Mm -hmm. okay which she wasn't at the beginning Mm -hmm. that's
1: fair because i feel like that's not how i saw her at all but obviously it's like her journey of like seeing herself as who she actually is right Mm -hmm. yeah
2: isn't that like what we all struggle with like when we're becoming who we're going to be is like to become who we are on the inside outside right Right. and that's super hard right like that's still hard for me to be who i am on the inside when I'm with other people because there's so many kind of pressures on you and like for me like especially like I'm the sort of like chameleon kind of person like I sort of like uh, uh just sort of become like the people I'm around I guess you know so <laughs> like trying to sort of ma- maintain yeah. myself when right I'm now. with different people is really hard and I think that's in some ways that's really difficult for all of us but it's part of like when you can do that when other people can be saying something and, you know, thinking something and you're like, you know, no, nope, that's not me or, you know, you, you can remain yourself. I mean, I think that's the, that's one of the um, indicators of a of a sort of mature person. And okay. we know when we're teenagers, we never do that, right? Like right. You, you're influenced by everybody. Yeah, what's, this is cool. Oh, I'm doing that or, you know, but she's not like well, that.
1: Right? Or like you could think about your experiences also just being sort of like, culturally agile right like I think there's of different ways in which we can think about right I mean I feel like even for maybe it also goes back to like why she wrote that poem to her mom in Spanish, even though she maybe is like a bilingual person right like there's also ways in which like yes like who we are isn't some like solid thing that just like doesn't change right like who we are is like social right like Mm -hmm. is sort of like we are who we are because of other people as well, right? That there isn't some like core that's like unchanged by other people. So I think it's also like for you, like being a chameleon is a skill. Being a chameleon is like, you know, something that I feel like a lot of people actually can't do. And I think that's also like not a good thing necessarily, right? So I think maybe we can think about- It's a, it's a blessing about... and a curse. Exactly. <laughs> so I just feel like, you know, for like maybe it's also just about like how do we stay true to who we are while recognizing that who we are isn't some like static thing, right? Which mm-hmm. I think is also like what- the book like really lovely lovely gets at. <laughs> I, <laughs> love I'm just it. making up words, I don't know.
4: I, I, I so endorse what you're saying so much. Like how does this book end? We get we get her at the slam, although we never actually see the see. poem that I know, I performs that. at the slam. I love it. Yeah. I love it, I love it. It's like this kind of big, <laughs> like empty thing in the middle. Cause like that's not like the, the private part of her that she's still trying to negotiate. Instead we get the before slam Right the practicing, and we get this this beautiful poem on page three fifty three at the New York City wide Slam, where she's basically like helping ev- or like calling out everybody who helped mm. her get there and like what it helped her do. She's like. She's like the teenager that we all like hope our teenagers and, you know, the, the young people in our lives are like they they rise, but they they rise and they recognize that they're doing it because of all the shoulders around. Right. Like all the the like possibility around them. That's helping them lift up. Oh, it's so that, that's beautiful. A, that is really
1: beautiful.
3: And yeah, yeah, this I feel is where like that's where that's I like, cried. Why didn't you just cry? <laughs>
1: and maybe so maybe we can end there. And while Adriana cries, uh, with the <laughs> <most of them. laughs> We'll pull ourselves together. Talk, talk about it's like a temporal, uh, you know, like I know. Uh, master there. Like, exactly, <laughs> I feel like he gave us like various cues uh, to. There like, are lots you of know, to be like, Let's exactly. We appreciate that because you know, you know how we are. Well, Actually, the last you know, time
2: I kept time, I kept it very poor. You just kept
1: going. Yeah, yeah about <laughs> fifteen saying, minutes We know how we over. are, but mostly we know how Todd is. He's like, wait, here's this other thing that I need to say. Um, all right, we're gonna do our usual round of going around and talking about. Um, Something that we're currently reading, watching, eating, listening, or whatever, you want to give a shout out to. um, Adriana, you want to start us off?
4: Sure. Yeah, I am reading so much for classes right now, and so I'm like exhausted, but it's good. And one of the things that I've actually been reading is um, Sadia Hartman's Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiments, which now several people on the podcast have shouted out, and I felt very behind. And um, man, like it is amazing. And beautiful. And I'm not going to be able to teach it all. But like, I'm excited about the snippets that I will and how I'm going to put them into this class on beauty and race, oh. to kind of ground the histories and like these, these, like she says, like these wayward lives, like, um, allowing them to see that. Uh, I think one thing that I'm loving about it is that uh, Hartman kind of like reminds us that the kind of things we think of now as super radical and like new and challenging to social mores, like they're not new. There've been examples <laughs> of those things all yeah. along. And of course with their specific historical formations, but like, um, man, it's just, it's just amazing. What a tour de force. Yeah,
1: cool. Thank you. Todd?
2: Uh, okay, I have a few things. I mentioned this book last time, I'm now read actually reading it. Uh, that is beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that is beginning again by Eddie Glaude, uh, which is this book about uh, James Baldwin and the present day moment in it. And about halfway through it, it is a very very great book, really amazing. If you love James Baldwin at all, you should read this book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I highly recommend it. I also let's see. I just got uh, Cast. You guys know um, Cast.
3: Isabel Wilkerson.
2: Isabel Wilkerson's oh, new book. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, just... I
4: misunderstood you right there. I thought you just got cast in a play. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> I
2: will be playing
4: in a virtual
1: play <laughs> where he plays a chameleon. it will be great. Yes. I will be
2: playing. <laughs> I don't even know what character and it's Shakespeare. You know, no, I'm not doing that. So that book, I just got it. I just read like the introduction and I was like, uh, okay, I got to read this immediately. Although I have like 14 books ahead of it, but I'm going to read it next. Um, and so there's that one uh i just watched last night this crazy and amazing movie called capone about al capone like the last year of al capone's life when he was going crazy because of syphilis and it's nuts and it's amazing and i think everyone should it's it's a little it's a little violent but but i still think it's (laughs) worth it like it's nuts. It, it, I watched it with Lucia. Lucia loved it too. So, okay, Both of okay. us. Uh, that's an endorsement from both of us. A person who is very averse. Like a... Yeah. Well, it's like uh, a imagined biopic, biopic or something.
0: Okay, okay. And
2: Tom Hardy plays uh, plays um, uh, Capone as a okay. syphilitic, like you know sores on his face, uh, grunting, wow. rah, 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 you know, grunting <laughs> in, in Italian. It's it's amazing. <laughs> There's a there's an alligator in it. The alligator is unbelievable.
4: What are we talking about?
2: It's on it's on the Evil Empire. Check it out. You can watch it for All free right. on the Evil Empire. Okay. And
1: can
2: then can I say one more thing?
1: No, no, just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is where I blow the time. I kept the time really well until it was my time to talk, and I talked for twenty minutes. I just want to. This is like a little uh, self plug, which is I have a, a piece on um, on pinhook coming out in this little journal called, call their magazine called The New Territory, which Ooh. is a magazine about uh, the Midwest. Mm. And so it's, a cool. it, they're a small shop and they're like, you know, with the COVID and everything, they're kind of like, they need some some people to, so go look at the New Territory's website. And if you want to read this piece, uh, buy one of their journals, because it's a nice little, little magazine. I like it.
3: Well, And we'll, yeah. and we'll link it out if you link yeah. to it, yeah. yeah.
0: Definitely, yeah. Crystal. cool.
3: Okay, so what I'm going to share is nothing is intellectual um, but, as, as
0: Capone. <laughs>
3: Remember that I've been talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a couple weeks
2: now. Capone is super intellectual.
3: So there is, uh, I did watch a film um, yesterday called Project Power. It's, um, it's a Netflix original that uh, Jamie Foxx stars in it but one of the reasons uh, that it made me think of um, the Poet X because one of the main characters is a young woman uh, an actress named Dominique Fishback and her character is a rapper and so there's a scene in the movie I'm going to totally do a little spoiler but there's a scene in the movie where her teacher is picking on her because she has so much going on in her background personal life that she's not able to kind of concentrate in class and so he's like, Well, you're not concentrating in class, and this is an easy class. And so, what are you gonna do if you like fail out this class and you're a senior? And so, in her mind, and so her friend is like, Well, she's a rapper, she can spit some bars. And so, <laughs> her friend is like, Spit some bars. And in her mind, she like spits this real nice rap. And it's just like, Whoa! And, and, and then and the, kid, the kids in the class just like blow up and applaud her, but she doesn't do it in the class. Uh and so um it kind of like the process of deciding mm-hmm. when you are going mm-hmm. to use voice to protect yourself reminded me of of the poetic mm-hmm. so uh the film the film is about something else entirely but <laughs> my, my are so resonant so yes. yeah. so it's called
1: project power
3: project power yeah okay. Cool, thanks.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, before I do my recommendations, I don't think about your point about how we think like all these things are so new, but I was thinking about that new song, which I don't even know whether you just say WAP or WAP. Or <laughs> <laughs> I, have no
2: idea. I love that song.
1: I like watched it. Oh my God. I, I enjoyed the visuals. I didn't understand a word anybody was saying, but that's okay. I, it's not oh, for me. It's all good. I, but there was this whole suggestive. like thread on Twitter about like nineteen. 19- <laughs> 30s or 1920s like yes. blues songs yes. and the lyrics and you're like we thought you you
0: know because it's yes. like it was also
1: just as like explicit and like mm-hmm. sexual and all these things mm-hmm. so I just sort of wanted to yep. give a shout out to you know Cardi B and uh, Megan The Stallion um but why <laughs> <like, I'm> actually... <laughs> even though I don't understand anything they were saying Megan, uh, Megan The Stallion okay. right well, I
2: just want to make sure <laughs>
4: Like, you, wait, wait! You. How are we supposed to say it? What, 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 Todd? Megan the stallion. Megan the stallion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. Whatever. Are we gonna uh, link? To, we're gonna
2: link to the video, right? Uh,
1: yes, absolutely. absolutely. Maybe even embedded. We'll see. <laughs> yes, shout out. That would be awesome. So, There's
3: um, some holes in this house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. This this um, this
2: episode will not be usable for uh, educational
1: purposes. <laughs> oh, we didn't say anything. I mean, you know. Also,
2: I dropped an F bar. We just talked about how, like, you
1: know, sexual desires and women need to be able to talk about them. So that true. Like, Cetera. actually, also related to the Poet X. Uh. Okay, come on,
2: second grade teachers.
1: <laughs> you <Exactly. laughs> can use this exactly. Uh, but I'm reading right now, uh, on a more serious note, um, reading a book called "Arrested Justice: Black Women Violence." in America's Prison Nation by Beth Ritchie Mm -hmm. and I'm reading it for the abolitionist book club out of bone shaker books Uh, the last book we read or the one I guess I joined was um, Angela Davis's Our Prison's Obsolete. so it's kind of like a case study of a multiple kind of cases of black women who face some of the most kind of like devastating consequences of like all sorts of forms of violence right both like intimate partner violence community violence and state violence and the author basically argues that Like the current frameworks in which we think through like anti violence strategies and prevention like doesn't actually take into account these experiences and therefore like doesn't actually provide solutions to like keep black women in these like situations um, safe. So uh, Yeah, so that is what I'm reading. So next book, we're going to be doing the March trilogy by john Lewis. So basically the graphic novel. Uh, by him, and we're excited to read it. I've I've read like parts of the first one, but not the other two for sure. So I'm looking forward to kind of reading I think those.
2: People gonna love it. I mean, it, it's beautiful too. I mean, it's cool. it's amazing, you know, story of the of his life, but it's also really beautiful. So it's a nice thing to have in your house.
4: It's and, true. And we it is like need a it. Set of books. Like, mm-hmm. did yeah. you guys hear about this Georgia lawmaker? <clears throat> I can't remember like who it was, but he like dissed on John Lewis recently.
2: No, the, the the president did too. Like yeah, no,
4: the president did too. But this guy. guy, this guy got sanctioned like in, by the. Oh, tr- oh okay. uh, good,
2: good. Uh-huh. There are some consequences in this world. Thank God. Sometimes. Yeah, occasionally. Okay. Sometimes know. I wonder yeah. if there are. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the service. Let's all do what we can to support the postal.
2: Yes. You guys, you know, in my neighborhood, the other day, I was like, this was last week. I was walking. And I saw them taking away a postal like Dropbox, and I was like, ah. And then, like, I was walking by the next day, and there was a new postal box there. (laughs) So, my heart, I'm okay now. I'm okay. Okay.
1: Not in my neighborhood. Right. Um, I don't know what their union is called, but basically the Postal Workers Union and who have this like amazing new ad now where they're like, no snow, not, uh, not night. All these things won't get in the way, Include fascism won't get in our way. So shout out to them. And yes, mail some letters, send some packages, order some books via the mail.
4: Get your absentee ballot and then just yes. walk it over to your city election center,
1: yeah. wherever that is. And wear a mask. Uh, Wear a mask, wash your hands, socially distance, all those good things.
2: We can salvage Um, this, people. We can do this. We can can do this. this. Read
1: some books. (laughs) books. And as always, you can find our podcast on all the places. And yeah, we hope that you are staying safe and healthy. And we are sending out big virtual hugs to everybody. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.
2: Bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Drip recorded in St. Paul, Minneapolis, and Northfield, Minnesota, and in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. The Drip is written, produced, and directed by the All Spoilers Collective, which is Anita, Adriana, Crystal and me. Our mascot team is Bash, Malcolm, Sam, and Ari. Our music is by Lord Jordan X of Kansas City, Missouri. We'll be back in September to talk about all three volumes of John Lewis's graphic memoir, March. Until next time, be safe and take care of each other.